You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. I am Matt Baker. I perform a comedy and stunt show. And I'm Louis Fox. I do uh, magic tricks, comedy, and hand shadow puppets. <laughs> and we both have performed at the Moisture Festival for a number of years. So welcome to the podcast where we give you a peek behind the curtains of the performers and the people that make the Moisture Festival happen. You get a little, little bit of a look at their journey to getting on stage and a little bit about what they do in their time off stage. So welcome and be sure to check out all the episodes of the Moisture Festival podcast because there's a lot. There is a lot. And if you aren't familiar with the Moisture Festival, it's a four-week festival celebrating variety arts. So that's hula hoopers, magicians, people who bounce on their hands, acrobats, pretty much anything you can think of. It is the largest festival of its kind in the entire world, folks. In the entire world, it's the largest festival, and it features some of the best entertainers and comedians working today. The festival happens in the months of March and April, and not only do they have world-class variety acts, but they have a burlesque venue that runs for one week only, and get your tickets for that early because that always sells out actually 95 percent we've crunched the data louie yes 95 percent of the shows sell out so if you're listening to this in the months of march and april be sure to go to moisturefestival.org and get your tickets today yes especially if your bucket list item is to see the opening show get them now absolutely on this episode we welcome in leah papernick into Hales Ales. We're on location at Hales Ales. <laughs> yes, one of the final podcasts to record it at Hales. Yeah, she's one of the people at the Moisture Festival that does a little bit of everything. She's a performer, she's volunteer, and we learn a lot about her background and how she came to get involved with the Moisture Festival. Yeah, we learned how she started one of the first variety open mics in the Seattle area. We learn about her performing in the panto and what a panto is and how that led to her being in a Macklemore video. Yeah, it's a really cool conversation with some cool insights. You're going to love it. Let's get to it. Today's guest has done just about everything there is to do at the Moisture Festival. She has been a stage manager, a food preparer, a, she's hosted performers, she's been a driver, security officer, and a performer. Aside from the Moisture Festival, she is also an actor, an event coordinator, and an all-around awesome person. She has been part of the Moisture Festival since 2012. We have Leah Papernick. Yay! Hello! Somehow my computer wants to autocorrect to paperback. Every time I write your name into, <laughs> into my Word document here. Uh, so thank you for joining us. This is awesome. It's great to be here. So when did you get involved? 2012, how did, how did you come to know the Moisture Festival existed and get involved? Well, let's see. One time at Burning Man. <laughs> <laughs> All good stories begin with that. Yes. <laughs> I was riding home in an RV, which of course broke down. Mm -hmm. So we had a lot of time to kill. 
And a friend of mine said, hey, I know you're really into theater. There's this project I work on. I think you'd love it. <laughs> Let me tell you all about the Moisture Festival. Wow. And I said, how soon can I start? <laughs> they were like, I've got a very captive audience. It's going to be a hard sell. <laughs> it starts in seven months. Yeah. It didn't take much to convince yeah. me. Yeah. Especially off the high of being at Burning Man. You're like, I want more weird. <laughs> right. Yeah. I had um, just, what was it, the previous year or so, tried my hand at producing shows. And I wrote, starred in, <laughs> and um, produced a show called Misty Montaigne's Night of Fabulousness. And it was an enormous amount of work. Yeah. If I had realized how much work it was, I probably never would have started in the first place. Uh -huh. But you know how these things go. Yeah, yeah. And then I realized I don't ever want to do a project of that size alone. You did Again. it all by yourself? Mostly. It was, I, was it what, a one-woman show? Or? It wasn't. It was a variety show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was scripted. Uh -huh. And so it was super fun. Um, so I did have something of a team. Like I had somebody who helped me with the sort of accounting and paperwork aspect that my brain cannot wrap itself around. Yeah. And I had some people who would like come in and help me a little bit with the writing and this and that. But for the most part... It was, it was me. Yeah. <laughs> now, where did the name Misty Montaigne come from? It comes from Lord of the Rings. Uh, Who's, is that a character in Lord of the Rings? It's a place. Oh. It's the Misty Mountains. Oh, nice. <laughs> and so when I was taking a burlesque class and I realized I needed, you know, they want you to put together a burlesque name, I'd always loved I'd always loved the sound of Misty Mountains, and I thought, well, that would be just a great performance name. Yeah. Why don't I Frenchify it up, call it Misty Montaigne? Nobody else is using yeah. it. And the crazy thing is, one year at Moisture Festival, there were three of us sitting all backstage who had Lord of the Rings-inspired names. Wait, what was the other two? Do you there remember? There was Tom Naughty, okay. who's the spider yeah. from, I think, The Hobbit, and there was Hobbit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that was a person, Hobbit? Do we know that person? He's a musician. He okay. was with Snake Suspenders. Ah, ah nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Are they all from a different movie? I don't follow Nor Lord of the Rings. Are they what? all different movies? What? <laughs> you mean books. Books. <laughs> uh, yeah, see, there, that's how much I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I believe Tom Naughty is from The Hobbit. Misty Montaigne's is a, I don't know, it's a location. Okay. It's definitely in the main trilogy. And I mean, Hobbit is, you know... Hobbit. Yeah. Okay. Do you know The Hobbit at least? No. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, so you. When did we start interviewing me? It's just sort of unusual. It's okay. So you you decided that um, maybe writing, directing, doing it all on your own was not something you wanted to do again. So you wanted to be part of another project. Uh -huh. ah. Yeah. And then how did you, how did you, what was your first foyer into the Moisture Festival? What was your first job working here? Stage crew, I believe. I think I did stage crew that year, and I also did doors. Mm. And I loved it so much, I think I signed up for every single shift I possibly That's could. That's awesome. Yeah. So what was your favorite volunteer position? Oh my gosh, favorite. The one that I've definitely done the most is crew and stage management. I think even though I'm not doing it this year, assistant stage manager is probably one of my favorites. That's a sweet gig, like vice president, where you're like, I just tie break. 
yeah, like I don't have the responsibility of the stage manager, but when things need to be done, I can just sweep in, fix the thing, and move on. You get to be the hero with none of the responsibility. It's pretty sweet. Well, and a lot of people don't know that, like at the Moisture Festival, like, you know, obviously there's the, the performers on stage, and but there's like a, a crew backstage that are, you know, making sure props are in place, getting mm -hmm. stuff on and off stage, making sure the performers are in place, someone who hits the lights. There's such a huge technical crew that make the behind the scenes, make the show function. Yes. There's a lot to do. Yeah. And unlike a normal theatrical event, you don't really get a tech rehearsal. Yeah. yeah. You get maybe half an hour, maybe an hour with a brand new crew of people sometimes every night and you have to figure out all of their needs, put the tape down yeah. on the floor. And you're doing, and all the performers are usually on stage at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> in that hour window before the show and they're all rehearsing. So you're dodging props and. While the band is warming yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, where, where did you grow up? I grew up in a small town in southwestern Pennsylvania called Mount Pleasant. And okay. Did you go to uh, Montessori school as a kid? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like Verna Montessori school? You did. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Where was that? How did you? Wonderful thing called Google. Uh, wow, that's so, random. So, <laughs> we got it. We hired a private investigator. <laughs> so coming out of like Montessori school, though, do you think that like nurtured your? love of the arts. Oh, I think I was born with a love of the arts, to be honest. Okay. You know how like kids will just play and they'll make up stories and yeah. stuff? I would make up stories that I was directing a show. <laughs> You're like, Tommy, stand here. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Like I remember watching episodes of Scooby-Doo as a kid and there must have been a backstage one where there was a director who would yell things like, that's not in the script. Uh. And so I would run around yelling that at kids. That's not in the script. That's not in the script. <laughs> They're like, what? We don't even know you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then did you like try and direct little shows too as a kid? Or yeah, I mean, I would, I would try to. I would take songs and like line kids up and try and act them out, stuff like that. Is that how how you started getting into acting? Is, is sort of. That was the first sort of like, all right. It, it was very clear that acting was what I really <laughs> wanted to do as a little kid. And, and did you act as a child? I did. In what sort of, like plays, community plays? Or? Yeah, just um, just acting classes, whatever we could find. In a small town, there's only so many options. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're like Santa Claus and Macbeth. And, <laughs> well, you know, I remember cringe. taking an acting class at the local community college, and we were doing Annie, or really little selections from Annie because we're tiny tots. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I want to be Miss Hannigan. That's the best you role. And they were like, are you sure? You're like, you don't want to be Annie. I was like, no. <laughs> I want to drink. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Hannigan gets to drink, right? Yeah. <laughs> little Girls is the best song. Yeah. Uh, yes. How did you get into panto from that? And before, before I get that... <laughs> Can you explain to the listeners what panto is? Sure. So panto is a theatrical tradition that is very popular in England and is starting to get more popular here in the United States. It's a very old tradition. It actually comes from Commedia dell'arte when that sort of crossed the pond from France. The British were like, oh, that's a great idea, but what if we did it with our own kind of stock characters and fairy tales. Mm -hmm. So to a 
A layperson, I often describe it as sort of like fractured fairy tales, like you would see in Rocky and Bullwinkle. Mm -hmm. And so we retell these old stories with our own twist to them, and they'll be singing and dancing and lots of joke telling and improvisation and an enormous amount of interaction with the audience. Uh, okay, so how does the interaction go? Is it like you going out and bopping someone on the head? Or <laughs> Like call, a Punch and Judy? Or like call and it's a lot like Punch and Judy. It'll be a lot of call and response. So I might say, let's say I'm the villain. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to become the king now. Oh, yes, I am. Then the whole audience will yell back at me, oh, no, no you won't. Miss boo. Boo. And I will just keep going with no that. No to Brexit. We also always have a scene we call the ghost scene. Well, there'll be a couple of us up on stage and we'll tell the audience to let us know if they see a ghost. Ah. And then the ghost will sneak up behind us and they'll yell, it's behind you, it's behind you. And we won't see the ghost yeah. and we get that going as much mm. as possible. The goal is just to get the audience to scream yeah. as loud as they can. Is, is the ghost a traditional thing or just something you all do? Sometimes it's a ghost, sometimes it's a gorilla. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes it's something else. All right. The ghost of a gorilla? Maybe. Oh. I've never done that, but we should. Boom. We should. And that particular phrase, it's behind you. If you start watching like British comedies or British television, you'll kind of notice that that sort of thing, that panto idea, just sneaks its way into a lot of television. Awesome. And you've done panto all over Seattle. You did a Christmas panto show we often do it here at hales palladium mm -hmm. and then in the summer we do it at oregon country fair nice yeah and how'd you end up in the oregon country fair uh oregon that Hall. was before my time okay. okay but you know it's just what the panto okay they've been out. around yeah 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 so you're a childhood actor you're doing plays and stuff then you go to smith college yeah and which is an all-female school? It I? is, yeah, for my the most ex, part. I only know that because my ex went there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's in where? That's in Northampton, Massachusetts. Gotcha. Yeah. And how was that? Did you continue down the acting path while you were I, there? Mostly, um, I was focused on directing while I was there. Okay. Yeah. So I double majored in theater and French. And the French was mostly so that I would have an excuse to do my junior year in Paris. And I spent most of that time watching theater and taking acting classes there. So you did go to Paris mm -hmm. for your junior year. And so did, were you pretty fluent enough to understand all, all the plays and stuff that you were watching? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. So what, what were some th things that you saw in France that you were like, wow, that's inspiring I want to bring it back and do something similar or oh my I gosh. need to change my, my, the way that I view this thing. Like, yeah, I would say Ionesco's The Bald Soprano. There's a small theater in Paris that has been doing it forever. I, I don't remember how long, but I don't know, since the 60s or something, they've been doing Ionesco's The Bald Soprano. I just loved absurdities and a couple years ago, I managed to get back to France and see it again, and I realized that what I was watching was classic clowning. Mm -hmm. They were using the same clown techniques that I had then studied. It was amazing. Wow. 
So yeah. you, when you say studied clown, are you like talking about panto or are you, do you actually? I've taken a couple of clown classes wow. like at Freehold and That's I've awesome. studied a little bit with Avner. Cool. And so you're in France, you come back for your senior year. Yeah. And then what, what happens after that? When do, you, when do you make the leap across the country to <laughs> Seattle and why? Immediately. Oh, really? Yeah, immediately. Had you, did you have a, had you been out here or were you just like, I'm moving across the country? I had a bunch of friends who were a year ahead of me in college. They got hired by Microsoft. Okay. And they were telling me about how amazing it was in Seattle and that if I wanted to visit or move here that they would put me up in their guest room until I could get myself established. Mm -hmm. So spring break, senior year, I flew out, fell in love with the city pretty much as soon as I got off the plane. Didn't want to live anywhere else. Ah. So yeah, as soon as school was over, boom. Wait, was this during the summer? Uh, so spring break. Sp spring, okay. Yeah, <laughs> spring break I visited, and right after graduation, I was here immediately. And so what, what year was that? 96. What was the art scene like in Seattle then? Amazing. Yeah, it was really hopping. Mm -hmm. There was this magic combination of rents being low, uh -huh. but also lots of generosity from companies like Microsoft and employees who wanted to support the arts. Mm -hmm. It was like the gold rush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like all these people are moving to Seattle for the tech that's being built here. And then, yeah. yeah. And at the time, a lot of the people who were in tech were also very creative themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of overlap. You know, you'd be seeing somebody at work and then seeing them on stage that night or doing whatever kind of art they were interested in. And um, when did you come into contact with the Fremont Players? During Moisture Festival. Okay, so that came after the Moisture Festival. <laughs> yeah, so the very first year I did Moisture Festival, the closing night party, Simon approached me mm -hmm. and was like, hey, we're doing this thing called Panto. Do you want to join us? And I was like, yes. What's Panto? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I only know French stuff. <laughs> None of this British stuff. I only barely understand French <laughs> yes. theater. <laughs> yeah. And he explained it. I went to a couple of rehearsals, loved it. And was he the only British person in the whole group? No, we had we had another. Yeah, we had Debbie. Okay. Yeah. You started doing that. Now, did you continue on, outside of Panto, acting in other stuff, plays? Yeah. Like what? Yeah. So I work with a group called Viva Vocalists. And they do musical theater. Oh, yeah. 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 And so I'll do a lot of shows with them. Panto takes up a lot of time. It's, it's twice a year that we do things. And so Viva Vocalist projects, I'll kind of do in between those. Ah. Uh, yeah. Another question about the Panto. So do you have to create all the, the shows? Like, yeah, we write everything writing. from scratch. How long does that take? We usually start the writing process as soon as the previous show finishes. We might start writing as soon as February. Wow. And then rehearsals start as soon as Moisture Festival is over. Mm -hmm. And that is for kind of a shortened version of the play. We have, I don't remember, maybe an hour, maybe 50 minutes at Oregon Country Fair. So we do a shortened version of everything, no intermission, and then We'll take a break, come back October or so, 
lengthen and polish the play and present it at Christmas. Okay. And how does, so when you come up with a fairy tale or whatever the story, who, how do you pitch that? Is it like, you go, I want to do this? Yeah. Yeah, okay. we have a pitch party. Okay. Yeah, and people present their ideas and then we vote on it. Okay. What's the craziest idea that didn't get done? Someone was like, you know what we should do? Lord of the Rings. And then Louis <laughs> like, I've never heard of this book. We, <laughs> what is this crazy what is Hobbit? What is Hobbit? We will often, on the whiteboard, backstage during the show, write crazy ideas for the next panto. Ah. And so it'll be like, Moby Dick or War and Peace. <laughs> How long typically is a panto show? Is it? I know you said 50 minutes at the country fair, but typically if you were to do panto at a we, different venue? Yeah, we aim for at Christmas an hour and a half, including intermission. Mm -hmm. Okay, so 80, 80 minutes show, 75, 80 minutes. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, our target audience is a lot of small children, and you go past 90 minutes, the kids are going to end up getting too restless and having to leave. That's pretty cool to think that... You're collaborating with a gr large group of people. You're writing as a group. You're rehearsing and performing as a group. Yeah. And just the community that that would build. But then you're also turning over a new show every sort of six months. Like that's well, every of, year. Every year. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. I thought you said yeah. two. You do two a year. It's but, the same one. It's a oh, shortened one and then the full one. Gotcha. Yeah. But even doing a new seventy-minute, sixty-minute show every year. I mean, I do a seventy-minute show, and it took me ten years to write it. <laughs> yeah. It's still not polished. <laughs> I gotta well, add some ghosts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean it's amazing what you can do with a large group of creative yeah. people. Everybody has the ability to contribute, and everybody's so talented in this group. It's, yeah, you'll be sitting there, you know, improvising at rehearsal, and somebody will just come out with something that I would never have thought of in a million years, and it's just brilliant. Yeah, except Sabrina, she doesn't contribute that much. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about Sabrina. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> There's another show in town uh, during the year for those who live in the Seattle area called Evan's Variety Show. Yeah. And it's put on by Evan Reynolds, who's yep. a magician. And it's uh, and you also volunteer there and help yep. coordinate stuff there. Yeah. And Louie and I have both performed there. Yes, we have. Did, was that just a bleed over from the Moisture Festival? Was it like, oh, I love this element of the arts. So There's another one. I'm trying to remember how I actually met Evan originally. I had started the Seattle Circus Facebook group, and I might have met him through that. Yeah. I have produced aerial and other variety shows at other venues, and I, for a while, was producing a show called Unpolished Gems. Mm -hmm. And that was at Versatile Arts, right? Yeah. And so what I realized was there wasn't a lot of opportunity for people in the variety arts to test out new material. Yeah, that's true. It's hard it's to, tough. yeah, you, you want to, if you're being paid and you're in a professional setting, to have something that's ready to go, that's been tested. And there's opportunity for students, but trying to find that in-between place, yeah. I think, is really valuable. And I believe that Evan was in one of those shows. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. That's a great name for like an open mic, essentially. Unpolished Gems. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was I was proud of that one. You should be because I we talk about this all the time is like there isn't that sort of like 
for a stand-up comic, you, there's open mics, you can test your material. Yeah. Uh, but there really isn't that for variety artists unless you want to go to like a comedy open mic or... But then if you're doing like, you know, silks or trapeze. There's only so many venues exactly. you can do that. Yeah. It's very limited. So it, sometimes it can be tough to sort of workshop your material that you're trying to get out there. Uh, because there's not a lot of venues to serve. So thank you for doing that. Does, that doesn't exist anymore? Not not at the moment. <sighs> I would love to see if either myself or someone out there wants to... <laughs> wants to work on that again. <laughs> well, if I lived in Seattle, I would do it. If I was ever in Seattle, I would help. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, maybe other cities want to do it too. Yeah, absolutely. So you have other, I mean, besides just being like an act, you, you do some aerial. Some, yeah. So what, 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 what's your, your skill toolbox? <laughs> so right now I am mostly focused on straps. Okay, which is? How to describe straps. Are you asking they, her to describe to the audience, or do you just not know like it's The Hobbit? I, I know, but tell the audience. Okay, the okay. <laughs> How would I describe straps? I mean, they're literally straps that hang down like silks, mm -hmm. but they also have a loop at the end, and you put most of the time your wrists in that loop. And instead of, say, doing a lot of wraps and drops, you're moving your body around the strap. It's There's a lot of spinning. Okay. Are they, they're elastic, right? They're or, not. Oh, they're not. Yeah. So they're not bungee. Are they bungeed? It's I feel like I've seen head, that before. It's kind of like the, um, the rings in the Olympics. They are not dissimilar. Okay. Not hey, are you going to put the resin on your hand and do this? No bitch? rosin. No. <laughs> no, but I get some really interesting bruises. I would imagine. You sort of mentioned this a little bit um, that you do musical theater. Yeah. And we saw that you were in a play or show called Urine Town. Is that yeah. true? Is that, was that a typo? No, Urine Town You've is... You've never heard of Urine Town? No, what is Urine Town? <laughs> it's a musical. Okay, what, what is it? <laughs> what is, can you describe it? Is it family friendly? Uh, <laughs> then that's a no. <laughs> I can't believe you've heard of The Hobbit and never heard of it. We're going to different websites, I think. <laughs> I mean, but every time I think, oh, this musical isn't really family friendly, I hear about some high school doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. so Doing the, uh, the musical You're in Town? Yeah, or other things. Gotcha. Like Putnam Spelling Bee has some moments in it that I'm like, wow, really? Or edgy. Okay, uh -huh. sure. Yeah. But um, so I don't have a way to judge, let's say. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes okay, well, how about whether this? things Can, are how, family friendly. How about you, you tell me the premise and what happens, and I'll, I will decide <laughs> if it is family friendly. So in a post-apocalyptic world where there is no more water, they have decided to make it difficult to pee. And so you have to pay for the privilege to pee. And so you have this sort of upper class who lives well and has nice bathrooms. Pees wherever they want. Yeah, whenever they do. And a lower class that their life isn't so great. And so fundamentally, it's, it's a class struggle, but it's also about ecology. And ultimately, it's about who's really the bad guy. But I don't want to say too much because that kind of gives it away. You're like, that's family friendly. Yeah. 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 I mean, but do the people who don't pee often, their other bladders just like... Some people do die early oh, on, really? yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. 
Yeah. Okay, and so, and that's a touring show, obviously, and you, where did you perform? That was not a touring show. I performed it locally. Out of all the musicals that you've been in, is that the, the best one, or is there like a poop town, too? Or It's definitely one of the ones I've had the most fun in, because I got to play Officer Lockstock, who is kind of the narrator of the show. Oh, cool. Yep. And it was also a gender-switched role because normally it's played by say a large imposing man uh, which i am not uh, <laughs> what yeah that was fun i also got to do the baker in into the woods which was oh, an cool. amazing yeah. role that's rad i was kind of the understudy for that but i got to be on for like one night that's awesome nice. yeah yeah i would imagine it would be difficult to be an understudy for something and then never get to go on that's the life of an understudy yeah. so i was also doing the wolf and the stepmother. Oh, so cool. I did get to have a, a smaller role that's in that great. show. Yeah. And is that, did you play, what got you into being in a Macklemore video? <laughs> the um, Panto. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when we were doing Cinderella, you know, Macklemore has little kids. Mm -hmm. So he came to the show and saw Cinderella and <clears throat> you're not supposed to do this, but he took some footage during the performance. What? No one's shutting him down? It, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Say, hey. <laughs> hey, Macklemore, hey. cut that out, right? Hey, Macklemore. <laughs> and then he took that footage and he made a short video on Instagram, which I thought was actually quite cute. Yeah. And then he contacted us and said he wanted us in his music video. That's rad. To be honest, I don't know too much about Macklemore's relationship with the Seattle community, but I get the impression that he really tries to use yeah. local people yeah. as much as he possibly yes, he can. Does. Yeah, which so I think was, is great. What was the uh, what was the premise of the video, or what song was it? Were you? Used it for? was the play the flute. I love that song. It's it's up there with the <laughs> Hobbit with me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to do a day of shooting, and it was super fun. And if you don't blink, I'm in a couple of frames. That's rad. Yeah. <laughs> but some of the other Panto or people are in for a little longer. That's awesome. Yeah. And what what character were you playing in that? I was Cinderella. I we, we were dressed in our Panto costumes. Uh -huh. Although they also. Had us in togas. It, you just go with it. Okay. You know? All right. We'll look it up. <laughs> we'll, like, freeze fr we'll freeze frame it when you're yeah, on. Yeah. It was like, you guys you guys know what you're doing. We'll do what you say. And they were just like, how far can we take this? All right. Yeah. Now, All right. put on these Devo hats. <laughs> how does Cinderella look in a toga? Yeah. But I did get to say I had my 15 minutes of fame where for a few minutes, I was more popular than Macklemore. Yeah. That's my story. That's pretty cool. Because when he came to see Cinderella, during the panto, when it's over, we all come out to the front to do a meet and greet with the kids. Uh -huh. And so as the fairy tale princess, there I am, surrounded by children. Yeah. Yep. And Macklemore is kind of over in the corner. And yeah. I was like, yep, more people in the room want to talk totally. to me right now. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm the princess. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now, I found somebody... That you we, we talked earlier that your name is Polish. Yes. So during World War II, my family had to go all over. Let's say. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. And so I've got it, I've got family are everywhere. Your, are both your parents Polish? No. Um, my father's side of the family is Polish Ashkenazi. 
Did I pronounce that right? Oh, well. And um, my mother's side is German Jewish. Gotcha. Yeah. So World War II, my mom's family went to Mexico, actually. Out of all the places, they were like... That was where that they was could it. go. Did yeah. they have family there? Did they know people? No. No, just Mexico? No. But there is quite the community of German Jews really? in Mexico. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I was in uh, B- Belize, and I found there was, like, a huge German Mennonite community down there. Oh. Like, weirdly, you see them <laughs> hitchhiking around, picking up Mennonites, and there are a lot of Swedish Mennonites, German Mennonites. Yeah. It's, it's, so there are, like, weird pockets of people that live in very random places. It's true. Yeah. So since you've been at the Moisture Festival since 2012, how have you seen the Moisture Festival evolve? Like, where it is today, minus, like, the COVID sort of stuff that we all have to go through <laughs> to even get in the building. How you've seen it take off? Because over, you know, in the last ten years, its popularity has grown in Seattle. I mean, we certainly sell out most of our shows. Yeah. Do you remember, like, the when you was it were at your first Moisture Festival? Like, what were the standout acts to you? Al Simmons. Al's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I will. No matter how many times I've seen Al Simmons, I will always, no matter what I'm doing, stop and watch him again. Ah, yes. Al, if you haven't seen Al, so he sings, but he has like instruments that do weird things, yeah. and he's got visual comedy elements to what he does. Yeah. So whenever he's in the festival, you're like, I, that's the, I'm going to go, I'm going to be a part of it that night. I've got to Whatever go. I got to do. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. And anyone that you like never heard of, and then you showed up and you're like, oh my God, that's crazy. I've never heard of most of the acts, <laughs> <laughs> which is one of the wonderful things about Moisture that's Festival, funny. is funny. you get introduced to so much. Yeah. I think, like, one of the people, okay, so let's see. I knew who Armitage Shanks was, because mm-hmm. I'd seen him do things before. I knew who the Karamazov brothers were. Mm-hmm. Now, how were you introduced to the Karamazovs before? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> So when I was in college taking directing classes, our directing teacher showed us the PBS great performances of Flying Karamazov Brothers' Comedy of Errors. Ah. And that changed my life. Wow. (laughs) I had no idea that you could do that with theater. And it was so inspiring. It just opened up a whole world of possibilities. Yeah. And then, so then you end up at the Moisture Festival, and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. I know who those guys are. These people are my heroes. <laughs> and now you're working with them. It's amazing. Yeah, how cool is that? Yeah. That's how small the variety world is. <laughs> is that you could say. When I was coming up, many of the people I idolized and were my heroes, I'm like close friends with now. Yeah, just, same yeah. here. Because yeah. it's, it's so small. It's nice. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, Tim obviously is one of the producers here. Mm-hmm. And so you get to work with him a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, and talk about a group that writes. They were prolific in coming up with new shows and oh, new concepts. I mean, I, I watched something recently of them on a show where they were doing juggling while playing different instruments and like mm-hmm. tech there was like techno music and they were like singing a song about saving the earth and i was like this is pretty progressive for 1989 <laughs> <laughs> they, they invented techno music I know. <laughs> wow i had no idea <laughs> of the venues because you had mentioned you'd taken some burlesque classes so mm-hmm. the, the moisture festival has two venues they have um 
Hale's Palladium, and then yep. they have the Broadway Performance Hall for the Libertines. Right. Do you ever go help out with the shows over there? I'm going tomorrow. Ah. Nice. Uh, are you volunteering or just watching the show? I'm volunteering. I'm going to do artist check-in. Okay. Because I was chatting with you last night about artist check-in, mm-hmm. and that you mentioned you really enjoy it because you get to see everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's especially... When there's people I haven't seen for years and years, it's just so nice to see their faces again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where if you're like in the ticket booth, you don't actually see us. Not as much. Yeah. Now, as someone who goes to the burlesque show and the variety show, how do you see the difference between the two shows or the, the two audiences? To be honest, I love Hale so much, I haven't spent a whole ton of time at the Broadway location. So I'm excited to see what they do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think they're night and day different. It's awesome that they offer both, though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's really right? great. So of the two venues, if you wanted to volunteer at them, how would you do that? So the Moisture Festival has a web page, uh-huh. and there is a page for volunteering. Okay. I think it's the contribute, and then you hit the you drop hit, down as volunteer. Yeah. Volunteer. And or it says get involved. Sorry. I think yeah. It it's... It's probably not too late. I don't know how to get involved at this point in time for this festival, but every February or so, we do have a volunteer party. Oh. And anybody who's interested can come and hear all about the different roles that you can do and talk to the different teams and get signed up. That's awesome. awesome. I've never volunteered before. Yeah. What's the cool team? If you've never volunteered before, I would recommend Doors. Ah. Yeah. Because then... You get to be there, and you get to see the whole show. Ah, that's, that's right. That's the key. Yeah, because backstage you're just seeing people stressing before the show, <laughs> people <laughs> sleeping, a lot of stretching. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so we're working. I mean, often there's a if I'm backstage, say doing crew, there might be an act I really want to see, but I've got to be backstage. Yeah, getting ready to do my next thing. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate you uh, taking the time to meet with us. Getting up early at noon. To yeah. Have- <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> we had to give you Such a COVID a night test. Owl. We gave you a COVID <laughs> test. That was the first time I gave someone else a COVID test other than my wife. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So we really appreciate you uh, volunteering, being a part of pretty much every element that exists at the Moisture Festival and being awesome overall. Leah, thank you so much. Thank you. You were awesome. Thank you guys. Yeah. We want to thank you for listening to the Moisture Festival podcast. If you haven't bought tickets yet for the festival, you can do that at moisturefestival.org. You can also find out information about volunteering or supporting it financially as well. Just click on the contribute button. You can also find Moisture Festival. They are on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube if you want to check out more details on any of those social network sites. If you want to find out more information on Louie and I, we do a podcast together that is completely different than this podcast and it is called the odd and off beat podcast and you can find that on any platform that you get your podcasts at if you would like to find out information on louis and i's shows you can do so by visiting louis site which is louis fox with two x's dot com and matt baker's site comedy stunt show dot com spelt the way you would expect it to be spelled yes 
And we want to thank all the volunteers, performers, sponsors, donors, board members, producers of the Moisture Festival for helping make this thing happen. Absolutely. A lot of moving parts, and they do a wonderful job at creating a very unique experience that you cannot get anywhere else. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. And stay moist.